Hey, I'm Erica Jarvis. And I'm Amy Randolph. And this is Podcast Rewind. The podcast about all of the podcasts that we just can't stop listening to. Yeah, check us out. See what we're doing on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at PodcastRWD. And then come find us on Facebook. Search us, Podcast Rewind. And after that, come over to Patreon to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus content. So that's patreon.com slash podcastrewind. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 27 of Podcast Rewind. I'm one half of your host, Erica Jarvis. You can find me on all the social medias at Erica Jarvis. And with me as always is my best friend and host. Uh-huh. That would be me, Amy Randolph. You can find me, Instagram, Twitter, at I'm Amy Randolph. All right. Episode 27. You ready to dig in? I think I am. It's been a couple of weeks. We took a little hiatus last we week. Needed to kind of pull together some great content. Yep. And now we are back. We are ready. We're excited to podcast. We are. I just asked Amy before we started, like, it's been two weeks. Do I even know what I'm doing anymore? No, you're the engineer. I I hope you do. (laughs) Can I hit record on a laptop? We'll see. (laughs) Let's find out the hard way. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we do know what we're doing, and we start off like every week with a beverage. So cheers. Cheers, Amy. We are drinking a new favorite beverage, Aperol Spritz. I have been hearing about them all over social media and other podcasts. Jackie Schimmel just was drinking one on one of her Patreon, and I thought, we can do it too. Yeah, so somebody in the world just came up with this cocktail like last Italians, month. Italians, right? I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I certainly have never heard of it before, but tell, uh, tell us what's in it. So you just go to the liquor store and you buy Aperol. It's like an orange liqueur kind of, I don't Aperitif? It's like, like a cordial. Think, it's like a cordial. I've never yeah. heard of it until now, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I it's just been in like the ether, and I was like, that looks delicious. So you do a shot of that with um, one parts Aperol, three parts champagne, or four or five, and then you top it off with some sparkling water and That's an nice. orange slice. We don't have the orange slice, but we can pretend. Don't need it. Nope. Don't need it. So yeah, it's a great summer cocktail. Uh-huh. Definitely getting ready for the summer to start. It could rival rosé for me, especially because it has the mm-hmm. addition of sparkling water and I feel like I'm hydrating. And also, rosés, we love them, but we sometimes, trying a new one is scary because you it don't is. know what you're going to get because they range so much from really, really sweet to really dry. Obviously, I like the drier Same. ones. So when I open a bottle that looks promising and it's super sweet, I'm like, ah, I get So exciting. But I know what this is. As yeah. long as you buy the right champagne. Brute. No spumante. Ever. Ever. X. X. No. Spumante. No Spumante. Um, all right. So drinks are out of the way. They Let's are delicious. talk about what we're obsessed with. Well, I'll go first so I can sort of apologize to the listeners. My voice is still really hoarse today. I don't I think can, so. Oh, no. It's I feel like fine. I can hear it. But um, I got to do a bucket list thing this week. Um, last minute invite to Tampa, Florida, just down the street to see the Foo Fighters. And I was like shaking with excitement, not as shaky with excitement as I was when I saw Scientologists <laughs> for the first time live it's a different in person. Excitement. Totally different excitement. One of my favorite bands, I've been listening to them for Get Ready for a Gut Punch. 21 years. They, that's a gut punch <laughs> for them. They've been out a while. And me too. I'm like, I have over 21. Um, 
so just seeing them, it was amazing. My dad was even excited. Like we were texting all day, got to see it with some friends, which was awesome. And was basically a puddly crying mess of the encore of Everlong, which is my favorite song. Yeah. And so it was just amazing. If you follow me on Instagram, I inundated Instagram stories at night to the point where like yeah, I annoyed did. myself. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> it was I a didn't lot. care. No, you don't care <laughs> no. about annoying people on social media. No, no. Uh, I'm so glad for you. That's Thank a, you. That's a great... I mean, I know that you've loved them. I yeah. actually was floored that you had not seen them before. I know, and I don't... you're a big concert goer. Huge concert goer. And I think, you know, I've been down here 12 years, as of you. When they were playing the other night, they were like, man, Florida, can we have, can't believe we haven't been here for 12 years. I'm like, that's why. You've there never you been here, like, while I've lived in Florida. I didn't have the opportunity to see right. them. So, yeah. Well, good for you. Thank you. I also saw something this week you that did. I'm obsessed with. What did you see? I went to the theater. I got a last-minute StubHub uh, ticket, which I don't use StubHub all that often, but I am going to be doing it much more. I got a ticket to a Broadway tour in a beautiful venue, the Dr. Phillips Center in downtown Orlando, for $29. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, I sat in the nosebleeds. Yes. I did. But it was a great price. The show I saw was Something Rotten. Yay. Um, it's a show that's only a couple years old now. I think 2016 it came out. And it was yeah. huge buzzy at the Tonys. So oh, I think yeah. that's the year that Dear Evan Hansen also came out. And yeah. I think they took the the big titles. Yeah. Um, but, or was Dear Evan Hansen no. 17? 17. At any rate, something rotten. Uh, this is its first national tour. and Which is really pretty quickly after it's been on Broadway, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a great show. I mean, I got the soundtrack when, when the show debuted on Broadway. But, you know, I don't know for anybody out there, if you listen to Broadway soundtracks, you can generally pick up the storyline. Yeah. But there's definitely stuff you're missing, some plot points that you're not going to get yeah. that have obviously been spoken between, you know, the, the songs. So... It was good to put some of those plot points uh-huh. together. It's a really funny musical. It's a lot of fun. If it's going to tour in your area, I highly encourage you to go. Um, and Adam Pascal, who was an original cast member of Rent, yes. played one of the lead parts. He actually played William Shakespeare. And um, he did a great job. It's, you know, somebody whose voice I've been listening to for so long on, yeah. on recordings. Probably 21 plus years. Probably 21 plus <laughs> years. You know, hearing them live and hearing them sound the same is kind of a surreal um, experience, uh-huh. uh, but but it was great. Awesome! It was great. Yay! So I'm obsessed. I think we should also mention that we didn't do a show last week, but we did. Both of us were invited to a wedding. Yeah. Uh, oh, the same wedding. I should yeah. say, <laughs> not separate weddings. We were invited friends to the same wedding. Friends of ours. It, it was epic. Holy shit! It was an amazing wedding. Um, Brett and Shannon Conroy. Kudos to y'all. Uh, you put on a great party. Yeah. Brett's brother gave the most <gasps> amazing Epic. best man speech. Epic. I, Toast. I really hope that somewhere someone's posting it and it's going to go viral on the internet. Same. I, all I will say is he ended it with lifting a monologue from the little <laughs> film, The, the Mighty, Mighty Ducks. Ducks. And I got so excited, I started quacking <laughs> along. I mean, the whole room was, we not just like, me. Ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. <laughs> quack, quack, quack. So if we had done a show last week, we definitely would have talked about oh that. Oh, my God, yeah. It was I almost amazing. felt like we we just had to give the Conroys that oh. shout out. Because what a party. Holy shit, it was. They always say, like, you know, your wedding is, like, the best day of your life. But then other people are like, it shouldn't be the it best day. Be. And I was like, oh, I could see if that might have been the best day of That's my life. probably it the was, best day. <laughs> it would have been the best day of my life. Like, holy crap, it's that wedding was Up there in 2018 is one of my favorite days, for sure. It's in the running, I might still be hungover from that wedding. 
Yeah, that was that was that it hurt the next day. Yeah, so it we was had hard. a good week. I definitely mean, you went back to Tybee Island. I did. I went back you on got vacation this week. Time. Mm-hmm. I'm sunburnt. Um, I hung out with your cats. It was not as exciting as hanging out with you, but um. <laughs> the big podcat is behind us right now. I'm mm-hmm. sitting on the couch, pouting. Just I'm not sure what exactly is wrong with her. She's got her dinner in her bowl waiting for her, but Someone this in her stink look on her face <laughs> is concerning. It's basically what I had to look at all week while you were gone. But I will say, in case anybody is wondering. This week, we did listen to podcasts. Don't worry. We did our homework. So much happened this week. Do you want to dive in? Yeah, let's do some recaps. Okay. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Let's do our pop-ups. Let's do some pop-ups. Yes. Um, So I have one that I have been trying to find and listen to for a while. Um, Let me know if you ever have this problem. Like, you hear about a podcast and you go to Stitcher because we don't have Mm. iPhones. No. So we're kind of um, stuck by, like, the CastBox app. Not everything's in Stitcher or on Spotify, like we are. Oh, we are. Um, and I wanted to hear this podcast, and I was having a really hard time finding it. And I finally found it on the CastBox app, so it's part of iTunes. And it is Wine and Spirits with Monica Tenkate, also known as Monica the Medium. And she okay. had a show on ABC oh, Family. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> she had a TV show on ABC Family, now Freeform, a couple years ago as a college student at Penn State, oh, doing there we readings are. and things like that. And I loved the show. I love that kind of stuff, like mediums and, like, what's beyond. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. All about, oh, I will force it on you. You say that um, every time. I you really have to watch do. Clue before I watch any of your movies. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> anyway, so she started her own podcast. And truly on her own, she doesn't have a production company, which is kind of rare. I mean, she's a famous person. She had a TV show. For a famous person. For a famous person to really be starting this up on their own without any ads or stuff. So finally found it and gave it a listen. And I was like meal prepping and like trying not to cry all at the same time. She just talks about like how she, you know, found her gifts as they call it of becoming a medium and what it is like for her and kind of goes through like some people see things some people are auditory some people like she was like I can hear things like in my head like in my Mm -hmm. thought voice Mm -hmm. and so it's just so fascinating like how it works as a medium and so she just was doing you know a phone call like picked a random winner from her Instagram and gave this girl a call and you just don't know what you're gonna get and gets this girl who you know has a bunch of people coming through for her and it's her sister who had recently passed away in the last couple of years oh. in a sudden car accident. Um, drunk driver Ooh. hit her sister, killed her instantly. And the girl just was like, you know, sobbing. And like, it's just fascinating, like, all of the things that she clearly didn't know. She was like, um, mm-hmm. are you going to the same college as your sister went to? She was like, yes. She's like, your sister's so proud of you for following in her footsteps and all of these things. It was just. So you believed it. Oh, for sure. No, I definitely did. I mean, the way the girl was just couldn't speak. She was crying so hard and just so happy to hear from her sister and like other family members who are coming through. And like, that's fascinating too. Like, how did they get to Monica? They're not in the same town. I don't know how any of that works. (laughs) Where does the spirit town? Where's the spirit town? Um, But so she has more episodes that I wanted to listen to, but they were just buffering and that was kind of annoying me. This week I have a couple like podcast annoyances, if I can like, or grievances, if you will. Yes. Would you like to air them? Yeah, I would like to air these grievances. And that's one, like when it's just buffering and buffering. I don't know, is it my phone? Is it the app? And I'm constantly resetting Wi-Fi data. I'm on Wi-Fi. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Like, I really want to listen to these things. And especially the ones where she's got episodes where she talks about the afterlife and what she calls, like, a soul contract and how, you know, before you come down, 
you know, in your birth, you sign a contract and you say, this is what I'm going to do when I'm on earth. And like all of this stuff, I'm oh, fascinated. Like what, what's the info she's got? Cause we don't would know never about- be applicable, but applicable. applicable. Yes. Because we would all be under 18 signing those. So they could be held up in a court of law. Well, I think that there's no laws upstairs. I don't know. Well, some people go upstairs and some people go downstairs. downstairs. So there's sure. some laws. That's what she said. There's she rules. Said. I don't know. It's like if you don't fulfill your soul contract, do you go downstairs? Like, did you go rogue from your contract? I don't know. I couldn't hear the episode. It wouldn't stop buffering. Okay, well, here's a question. Yeah. So if we're all going to sign life contracts, yeah. let's say some people signed their life contract, like, I'm going to be a serial killer. That's the way that I'm going to yeah. come out and I'm going to, you know, because I do, I do have kind of a, a theory that serial killers are sort of born. Agreed. I totally um, agree with that. You know, there is nature versus nurture stuff, but I, I do think that, so like if you sign your, your heavenly contract, uh-huh. is, I'm going to be a serial killer, and then you go on earth and you fulfill it. Do you get to go to heaven because that's how you were made or what you were destined for? Or do you still go to hell because you broke Catholic rules? Right? And then also, like, is anybody downstairs having a, like, a hell contract? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go upstairs and fuck shit up. (laughs) Or what if if you're supposed to be a serial killer, but you resist and you don't do it? Do you have to go to hell because you didn't fulfill your contract? No, I feel like God would be like, good job. That was a test. And he asked. These are questions I'm going to have to ask at the pearly gates. Yeah. Or we can ask Monica. (laughs) Or we can ask Monica. That's a great point. Yeah, but it just, like, makes me happy because... A lot of which I've heard her talk about in other podcasts before in regards to the whole, like, soul contract and you get upstairs and you have to review, like, your life and, like, did you do exactly what you said you were going to do? That's really totally the same plot of Defending Your Life, that movie with Meryl Streep. And also that Kristen Bell sitcom that you watch? What is that? Oh, The Good Place. The Good Place. That's a great one. (laughs) That's a good show. Um, But, yeah, no, hopefully the show, I can find it on maybe another platform and it will it won't keep buffer, going. Hopefully. It'll play. Yeah. yeah. Write her a note. Say get in Stitcher, lady. What are you yes. doing? Get on Spotify, yo. Um, I listened to a new show this week. So this is called Edge of Fame. Have uh-huh. you heard of it? No, that sounds great though. Um I saw it when we were um listening back to one of our shows oh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. I jotted it down because we've got iTunes up while we listen back and it scrolls through like yeah. podcasts we might want to listen to. But I actually found this in Stitcher. It's called Edge of Fame. Um, the ho- it's from the Washington Post and WBUR, which I don't know if that's a Washington DC radio station. Um, they do a lot of stuff. I don't know if they do Modern Love or something okay. else, but WBUR does a lot of things. It's like an NPR-ish. So the host is Jeff Edgers. Oh, so fine. Edge of Fame. And he interviews artists and creative people. Um, I think I just listened to the season finale of his first season, and his guest was David Letterman. <gasps> you? I am a big Letterman fan. So the episode is called David Letterman is Properly Medicated. Okay. Um, So Letterman, he talks about his career. He talks about his new Netflix show. Talks about the late night wars back in um, the day with Leno. Did you ever see that documentary? I did not. You know, I should probably look that up. Um, But he talks a lot about how angry he has kind of always been, but that bitter resentment that he carried with him after the, the Jay Leno um, situation where he was supposed to be in line to take Johnny Carson's yeah. seat. Johnny Carson even handpicked him, but NBC decided instead when Carson finally retired to give it to Leno. Yeah. And so Letterman went off, signed a contract with CBS. And for the first time ever, there were two competing late night mm-hmm. shows. Um, and just, but he still never really got over it Yeah, and talks a lot about how badly he treated his staff Oh, wow. um, he had sex scandals while yeah. he was there and how he kind of came back around, did get on some antidepressants, 
Um, his wife, he's been married to now for, I think, 15 or so years, but they've been together since, like, the 80s. Oh, they okay. were together for, I think, 15 years before they got, finally got married. Wow. And a big bone of contention was whether or not to have children. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to. He was so dedicated to his career and, you know, making his show the best and fucking beating Leno. Yeah. That he didn't didn't want to have children or, or mess with that. And she was going to leave him over it. So they finally finally did. And he's like, of course, it's the best decision I've of ever course. made. So it was a great show. I recommend it. I, I haven't listened to any others of the season, but looking through the list now, some of the other guests have been Weird Al. Oh, wow. Jimmy Kimmel, nice. Issa Rae, Billy Joe Shaver, Hansen. Love Hansen. Listen to that one. So it looks like he's getting some good big deal people. Oh, yeah. And uh, the one I listened to with David Letterman was like 35 minutes. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, Edge of Fame. Check that out. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to do something that is... In my lane. Yes. We talked about this briefly the other day, but a book was released a few weeks ago that's kind of shaking up reality TV. Mm-hmm. Bachelor mm-hmm. Nation by Amy Caulfield. Ooh, Caulfield. I told you, I almost bought you that for I your know, birthday. that's so funny. Well, so she was on Mouthing Off with Olivia Caridi, who um, we talked about before. She has a really great podcast. She was on Ben Higgins' season, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, she had Amy on, and I would say it was almost a two-hour podcast. Really diving deep in, and Amy talked about how she had a kind of a falling out with ABC and The Bachelor. She was at a live taping of like an After the Final Rose. As a reporter. As a reporter for the LA Times, and kind of caught the producers producing the leads mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and saying things like, oh, you really need to cry. It's just going to look really good for you if you cry. Ooh. And so, like the good reporter she is, she wrote about it, and ABC never invited her back after that and she was like I definitely got blacklisted because I was just reporting the truth wait a minute what is going on here and so that's kind of like what like cracked that door open for her so she made a lot of contacts with people who were ex-producers ex you know um assistants on the show and contestants and she didn't reach out to Olivia but they had a long deep conversation about everything in the book and Olivia kind of being like yeah I saw that here are stories that happened to me on the show and it is just if you think you're watching a really fun love story, you're not. You're watching the most overly <laughs> yeah. produced piece of television there is. I am fully aware of that. Yeah, same. Fully a be- massive fan anyway. Well, that's what she talks about is that like, okay, here are some backstories that we know have been happening to these people and like they keep the lights on all day and at night. And that's why when you see the, the girls, show lights, the show yeah. lights, yeah, yeah. when the girls are like waking up in the morning, they have sleeping masks on mm-hmm. because the show lights and they take out all of the light um, switches in the house. So you can't even do anything, and they don't Damn. turn those lights off until about five o'clock in the morning, and Jesus. then you're sleeping in bright lights all day. So the behind scenes stuff like that, but then also it goes into like the psychology of like why they're doing this to people and why are we watching it? Okay, like okay. so she didn't really break into the psychology of that kind of stuff. I know she was dropping those hints so we'd go buy the book and yeah, read I think it. She might, have, she might have. I it. think so too because I think that's the interesting part is like the psychological aspect to it. But um, she was saying a couple of facts that, she, like, from back in the day, she had heard that producers would track women's periods, so then they could make sure that they had their, like, in-the-moment interviews, the ITMs, as they call it, those side interviews, on days of their period, so they would be more... No! You no, know, sensitive, but, like, 
Then not you to talking on your period. Just no, like, yeah, you're allowed to talk on your period. Such of a psychological bully. Exactly. And so she was like, "Yeah, you know, you've got a house of twenty women, and their periods all sync up." And I was like, "Oh, Amy, you didn't hear my podcast back in November. That's not true. Girls' periods <laughs> don't sync up. <laughs> that is junk science, that is ABC. Junk science. Junk science in your junk reality show. <laughs> like, oh, Amy doesn't listen to podcast rewind. But um, <laughs> she was really explaining a lot of things. The same with Olivia. That you know, people who aren't as well-versed into reality TV as you and I are, don't understand things like Frank and editing. So yeah. they take a yes. full sentence that you say, chop it up. They never show you saying that sentence. They show you on the beach looking thoughtful, and you're saying something like, I don't know why Ben would ever fall in love with a, someone who has children. And, and nothing was yeah. ever said like that. So Olivia was saying that she was definitely Frank and edited so often that it made her the bully. And then Amy was even saying that, like, yeah, the producers have nicknames for all of you guys. Like, oh, okay, did you talk to the villain today? What mm-hmm. did you get out of the villain? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and they show it. Wifey. On, wifey, as I say, they show it on the TV show on Lifetime Unreal. Like, who's wifey? Who's this? Who's the next content? Who's going to be the bachelorette? Like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. make sure you make JoJo look good. We're all going to make her the next bachelorette. And just, like, really crazy stuff. I mean, Olivia was saying how she didn't realize that her producer was working against her. She really felt like the girl who was her specific producer, I think she said her name was Becky, was her best friend. And when she got home, she was like, yeah, mom, like I got, you know, whatever. It's fine. I didn't love him anyway. But like, I've got this producer in LA and like we're best friends. And then she found out later that, you know, if Lauren B was in an interview and they wanted to get her to say something about Olivia, Olivia's producer would come in and be like, I don't even know how you deal with her. I have to produce her and she's such a bitch. How do you handle living in that house with her? And Olivia was like, it got so bad. Like afterwards, she was like, I truly did feel like I was getting bullied and everyone thought I was ridiculous, but the show bullied me while I was there. Right. And I didn't know it. And so she said her and Leah, another girl from the season, um, told ABC, like, we had to go to therapy and get on, medis- like, on medication and you should fucking pay for this. Look what you did to us. Yeah, well, Leah went on BIP, so yeah, I'm done exactly. with it. I can't have too much sympathy for her. Yeah, no. And so what they did talk about, which I have said to you before in the past, that, like, you know, you see the girls sitting around talking all day about the lead because that's what is in their head. Yeah, and they don't have TV or internet, so what else are exactly. you going to fucking do? Well, she said that they would paint their nails three times a day. What? Uh-huh. Like, they do a color, and then by lunchtime, they'd be like, oh, you know what? I want to do a different color now. There's just because nothing to do. Yeah. You're so bored, and you just sit around like, oh... He winked at you. That's great. Oh, he didn't wink at me. And it's like, I would love nothing more than to see them cut back from a date and, like, them debating, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson's, like, you know, theories on quantum whatever. And they're like, yeah, I see your point. But what about, you know, every time the temperature raises, like, you just want to hear them yeah. talk about smart people things. <laughs> and I understand now why Olivia said that on the show. Like, I just want to talk smart people things because all we're fucking doing is talking about this dude who's just a computer software sales guy. Right. He's not curing cancer. You know what? I remember back on late earlier seasons of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, they used to have a gym in the mansion. Uh-huh. And they would have a lot of shots of the people working out. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think on The Bachelorette, you can still see the guys working out. They'll film that. But the women are always laying uh-huh. around in the pool or doing yeah. each other's hair. Or seems like they all take three hours to do makeup every uh-huh. day. Because there's nothing to do, so I just take your time. Wow. Yeah, and she was just saying that, you know... She doesn't understand, or the, both of the girls don't, don't understand, like, why these people are still friends with producers. Like, that one guy, Elon, who now has a book out, mm-hmm. and Olivia was like, oh, I know Elon hates me. He sent a book out to, like, every ex-contestant so they could Instagram about it. I didn't get a book, so mm-hmm. I guess he hates me. 
Which is how, like, these people are still friends with their producers, and it's like, they manipulated you to look a certain way. Are you trying well, to get back on another show? What are you yeah, doing? I would guess yeah. that producers keep up relationships with people that they want to continue working yeah. uh, on the shows, either in the spinoffs or if they want them to become bloggers. Ashley I being a great example. Uh, she's, she's the best the thing podcast, that's come out. She writes. She and she's very kind it, to the show. And for sure. And they know that she's a mouthpiece and they can get her to do their bidding. Right. Yeah. Well, I will say, Olivia does this podcast but she's leaving Nashville. She's moving to Seattle. She's going to work for Delta. Like, on Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. She was like, I miss waking up every day and having a purpose. Oh, really? This is bullshit. And I'm like, yay. I love hearing that. Like, because every time you watch a reality show like this, you're like, oh, who's going to have a podcast? Who's going to uh, be a bad fit fun partner? So annoying. Who's going to sell diff eyewear? Mm-hmm. Good for you. Get back under the rule. Keep your podcast because you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I definitely say we should, like, if you like anything reality TV, this is just a good Listen, and I think I do want to get that book. Okay. Yeah. Get in. We can share it. Yes. Okay. okay cool. Deal. Ew, do I have to get a hardback? Uh, ew. Oh. No. We can <laughs> we'll pass it Kindles. on Kindle. Yeah. Um, okay. I listened to a... Okay. So, podcast hole with me. Are you ready? Yeah. Always. Um, I listened to a, a show that, again, I, I saw on iTunes, and I found it on Stitcher. It's called This Is Why You're Single. Oops. Tell me why. <laughs> I'm dying to know why I'm still me. single. <laughs> it's... It's kind of interesting. I, these girls, I think, have been doing it for a couple of years now. They live in New York, mm-hmm. which I find, I found it kind of refreshing because I got thinking about it. They were talking about being in New York and living yeah. in New York and what they do. I think that most of the podcasts that I listen to are LA-based uh-huh. and or somewhere generic Midwest from Florida. <laughs> um, but a couple of New York girls about my age, I was like, oh, I, it just felt like a fresh style to me and I Agreed. liked it. So it's called This Is Why You're Single, and they talk about relationship-type stuff, yeah. and then they take email um, questions from listeners and answer them and that kind of thing. I listened to two episodes of theirs this week, but the one I really liked that led me to another podcast was their episode called Staying Friends with Exes featuring Keith and the Girl. Okay. So Keith and the Girl, turns out, have a podcast, and that's the <gasps> name of their show, Keith and the Girl. And so they told their story because Keith and the girl who has a name uh-huh. and it's Hamda. Can you? It said like a Hamda? a Jewish name, yeah. So C H E M D A Hamda. Hamda. Um, they are exes, and they have had a podcast together since two thousand and five. What? They have been podcasting before podcasting was really a thing. Yeah, like when internet radio was even just kind of starting, uh-huh. they had a podcast. And, um, in fact, they were talking, and, and then I kind of heard, like, Mark Marin and a couple of other big-time podcast people have Reference given credit that, yes. to them as, hey, look at that format. That's interesting. I think that I've got something to say, and I can yeah. get into that. So I, they're really, and I feel terrible. I've never heard of their show prior to now, but they were really pioneers in the podcast world. So, Thanks, Keith. Yeah, Thanks, so, so they had been together, not married, but um, a long-term relationship for several years, and then they started, I think, a blog that led into the podcast, which led okay. to a book. Wow. So they were giving relationship advice as a couple, and then they wrote a book, and I forget the title right now, but it's something snarky like, no, that's not how you do it, <laughs> relationship <laughs> advice from, from Keith and the girl, and then they told they were telling their story on the show, This Is Why You're Single, so interesting, while they were in the, kind of the final publishing phases of this book, they broke up. Wow. But in the contract for the book, they actually, the publisher wrote in their contract, they have to stay together at least for a year after the book is released. And that, otherwise, it's not going to be marketable. That's brilliant. So, yeah. But 
I mean, they were like looking back, like, why the fuck did we sign that? Well, we signed that thinking we would, we would break up. So when they did break up, they had to lie about it for a year. They continued to live together and they continued, they had to continue to make appearances together and work together. So they figured it out. And now they're still very close friends and their business relationship is very strong, but they broke up now, I think about 10 years ago. And since then, Keith has married another woman and divorced her very recently. So he was talking about the differences between his ex-wife and his ex-relationship with Hemda and how he's back out in the dating world and he Uh told some funny stories. And then Hemda, interestingly, is remarried pretty recently to a transgendered man. Okay. Who was a woman when she started dating her. Uh Uh-huh. And she said that, you know, she's always identified as straight but met this woman Uh and they got into a romantic relationship and then after they they were married, her wife went, you know, I've always felt deep inside that I'm a man and I'm going to start the transition process. And Hemda was like, great, cool. you know, I identify straight anyway. So <laughs> and t- talking about, so, I mean, it was so fascinating yeah. listening to her and they were asking her about what's it like to be with your partner while they transition. And, uh-huh. you know, oh yeah, it going it's be so her. fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that episode of This Is Why You're Single was amazing. And so then I definitely looked up Keith and the Girl and listened to a couple of their episodes. Their stuff is very kind of all over the place. It's not all relationship focused now. So it's current topics. It's, um, a lot of comedy. They have a lot of guests on and they, Chenda said that originally they were leasing five episodes a week. And now they're down to about two or three because wow. they do so many other appearances. And Amazing. And yeah, I feel bad I've never heard of them before. No. So so that is, this is why you're single slash Keith and the girl. Well, I love it. Woo, you know what I think? It's time for a little bit of a break. Yeah, let's refresh these glasses and we'll come back and talk some more podcasts. Let's do it. Hey guys, we want to take a quick second from the show and say thank you and shout out our Patreon subscribers. That's right. Let's start off with our very first intro rewinder, and that would be Sandy Randolph, also known as the Mother of All Podcaster. She's pretty rad. But also, we have a professional rewinder joining our group, and that is April Valdez of Salon Bon Tempo. Guys, check her out on Instagram, at Salon Bon Tempo. See what she's doing, and if you are in the Orlando area or you can drive to see her, it's a must. She's amazing. That's right. We love her, and we love all of our Patreon subscribers. So come on over and join us there, patreon.com slash podcast rewind. All right. Now let's get back to our recaps. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. All right, Amy. It's time to do the deep dive, the big podcast of the week. Ooh, I got some stuff to talk. I know. I know. So I'm going to go first and yeah, add yeah, yeah, levity yeah. and brevity and Let's have a little fun, fun and before laughter. Before I take it down. And we're going to get a little gay. Yay! Yay! Okay, so I've told you before, and I've talked about it on the podcast in the past, one of my obsessions is the new Queer Eye on Netflix. It is Yes, you have talked about that. Yes, uplisting. Yes. It's a hug in 42 minutes. <laughs> it is everything you would want and more. And the true piece de resistance is the groomer, Jonathan Van Ness. He Did you is- listen to him? He's, I put him on my list, so I didn't listen to it. Oh, my God. I am obsessed with his podcast, yes, Getting yes. Curious. And so for those who don't know, he just kind of sits down with people he's a little curious about and has questions and just yeah. wants to answer it. And he's been doing this podcast even before the Netflix Queer Eye. Right. I didn't know that until you told me a couple of weeks ago. Whenever that yeah. Was. And so um, I dove in with an episode that he had with Anthony, who was another member of mm-hmm. the new Fab Five. But what really turned the page for me yes, yes. was his episode called what makes a cult a cult Mm. and like you know I have a few fascinations in this world that like yes 
are high ranking for me. Like things I can't wrap my brain around. Therefore, I'm obsessed, but not in like it's a morbid curiosity thing, right? So you don't like, stop your life. You it can doesn't continue stop my life, but like definitely at the top of the charts. I'm trying to explain and be politically correct. You can't. Just go there. Feral children. Um, (laughs) Erica loves a feral child. A feral child. It's just like I learned about it in sociology as a kid, and it's just like it's the the best definition of nature versus nurture. Right. You know what I mean? And so the stories are heartbreaking and stuff, and thankfully they are few and far between. But after that, we're talking Scientology, polygamy, cults. Shit, I can't wrap my brain around. And I love talking to you about cults and all those things. Yes. And so, anyway, this episode, What Makes a Cult a Cult with Dr. Natalie Feinblatt. And she is a um, psychologist, PhD, who kind of really specializes in people with addictions, especially after, like, coming out of cults. And just really has made this her life's work. And so, um, Jonathan is watching Wild Wild West on Wild Wild Country on Netflix. And he was like, I am curious what the fuck makes something a cult? And so there are just so many different um, definitions because there's no true like looking it up in the dictionary. But like when it comes down to it, like cults will um, exhibit the behavior of like routinely controlling people via mm-hmm. abuse or psychological and exploiting people and controlling their environments and relationships. And um, so if you think about it, like with Scientology, it's not necessarily a cult, but they tell you who you can and cannot talk to Another big you thing. You can't talk to non-Scientologists. You can't talk to non-Scientology people. Unless you're a celebrity. They get exactly. It's weird. So, like, you know, what that control is manipulation. No questioning the doctrine. We mm-hmm. know that is a huge part of Scientology. Yes. And if you're a non-Scientologist, like myself, <laughs> me questioning the doctrine is, you know, the worst thing that you could do. And so then they also talked about how often there is this, like, manipulation as they get you to confess something and then they use it against you. So think about that... Um, how about the Nexium cult or whatever that like most r- recent cult that kind of oh. came to light that sex cult for women, but it was the one, one guy that, yeah, and he was yeah. branding all of them yes. to get into that quote unquote cult. They had to provide like embarrassing stories about themselves to get in and then they would use it against them mm-hmm. if they wanted to leave. Well, like Scientology with their, um, what's that? Monitoring. The auditing. Exactly. She totally talked the, about that too. Yeah. And just how. You know, you have to exhibit, like, if there are six signs of a cult, exhibiting, you know, four to five is definitely cult-like behavior. You count. You, it's a cult. You may count. And so then she also said that a lot of people will say that, you know, unpopular opinion, multi-level marketing can have a cult-like behavior. I'm so glad we're getting <laughs> here. Because it just, is the a popular opinion of this apartment that multi-level marketing is the schemes worst. are the worst. Yes. And if I get invited to one more fucking Facebook group... I don't want to I mean, buy your Lulu. No, I'm not going to lose it because I'm just so I'm just so used to it now. I don't want you near him. I don't want your 31. I don't no. want your leggings. I don't. And if I wanted it, I'd come to you. Right. I would go to a store and buy it. I go to the store and buy it. Oh, but you can't go to the store for that chef because it's shit. Yeah. If your leggings were the greatest thing ever, why are they not in Nordstrom's <laughs> next to like seven jeans and you know? Right. Why are you peddling them in my living room to the girls that I saw yes. to come over to my house? And also, don't wear candy corn on your ass. Just don't. That's just don't a do personal it. thought. Anyway, unpopular opinion. Austin. Sorry, not sorry, listeners. Yeah. Love us anyway. We have other opinions. We yes, share to each their own. But um, in regards to you know MLMs, she's like they're not truly cults. But they do have certain, you know, behaviors you can't really question back. And, you know, the thought of, like, bringing more people in mm-hmm. and don't question mm-hmm. things. Those do have those kind of tendencies. She's even said people have come to her and said that, you know, 
AA has cult-like tendencies. That's interesting. You can't question the doctrine of the 12 steps. They work. There's like yeah. a religious undertone. Basically, at the end of the day, so many social like groupings of people have one or two tendencies. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily make some cult, but just tick that in your head. Like a yellow flag, and then when a third thing comes along, make that a red flag and get the fuck out, basically, is right. what she was saying. So her backstory was really interesting because her father worked in movies. So she grew up in L.A., and she was on movie sets all the time, and she was on a set with one of the most famous Scientologists ever. John Travolta? Tom Cruise. Close. I, I was going to say Tom, but then I just thought, like, that's too obvious. No, it's not. It's not the answer. It's the correct answer. Okay, Tom Not, not Kirsty. So she was on, I think, like, Days of Thunder or whatever the movie is that he met Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. And everybody on set was like, oh, he's doing this thing, like, Scientology. And she was, like, 10 on set and was like, what is that? And they were like, um, we don't know. It's a made-up religion. Well, like, yeah. it doesn't sound good. Like, right. we don't know what it is. We can't put our finger on it. Mm-hmm. So she said as she was older and, you know, getting ready to go to college and figure out, she knew she wanted to do psychology. She was like, oh, there was that Scientology thing. Let me, like, look into it. And she was like, I went down a rabbit hole. Like, what the fuck is this? This is a cult. Uh-huh. And it just kind of yeah. shaped her. She ended up doing, um, like, her PhD and doing all of that work towards, like, how to assist people who have recently got out of cults and how to provide them the correct therapy. Because they're kind of in a brainwashed perspective. Oh, yeah. You know? So um, it was really interesting. I really liked it. But then I was like, what else does Jonathan have for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he had an interview with Dave Holmes. Oh, right. Throwback. Uh-huh. Throwback to MTV Wanna Be a VJ contest. Yeah. Back in the day of the sure TRL did. world, I was so jealous of Dave Holmes. I mean, I would tell <laughs> everybody, and when I grew up, I'm going to be an MTV VJ. They don't even make music videos anymore, I don't think. I think you could have done it if there were still VJs, though. I, I believe in so. you. Thank you. Um, I mean, I worked down the street at VH1 <laughs> for a hot second. Um, but so he... We know him from being the former run, like a runner-up to that VJ contest way back in the day. It was him and that tall kid with like the spiky hair who never really went anywhere. Yeah, what was Jesse? Jesse. Yeah, and he's like a weird he dude. A drug addict now. Starting I don't somewhere. know. Probably. But so yeah, Dave said, and I loved his story. He was like, I was in advertisement. I knew I didn't want to do this. I knew I was obsessed with music. I went to this, you know, callback. I got down to like the final round. Didn't make it. He was like, but at that rap party that night. I thanked everybody who we worked with. I got their business cards. He's like, on Monday morning, I emailed all of them. Mm-hmm. Hey, I really like working with you guys. What do you have? And so he ended up kind of being an assistant and working his way up. And then they would be like, hey, we're kind of testing and piloting a new show. Do you want to get on screen again? And he'd be like, what? Yes, sure. of course. So like, his story was so fascinating. And he was um, on talking about his new book where he kind of picks 21 songs and sets them to his life. Like, this song reminds me of this part of my life. And, mm. and here's a story behind it. And they're not necessarily his favorite songs. It's just songs that kind of mean things to him. So right. it sounds really interesting. But then he was talking about, um, oh, well, first, Jonathan was like, what was it like being at MTV and TRL the day Mariah Carey came and had her mental breakdown? Yeah. And he yes. was like, yeah, so here's the thing. He's like, I've been working straight for two years, so excited to be part of MTV. I would never take vacation, wouldn't leave early. And my boss had come to me that day and was like, Dave, you got to just go home early, get some takeout, go relax, like take the weekend, mm-hmm. take a long weekend, you know. And it just so happened that like, he's like, by the time I got home and I've got my takeout and I turn on the TV and I see Mariah just like melting down. He's like, I missed it. Shit. I could have been there. I- he was like, and my boss is just trying to be cool and be like, hey, head home. It's totally fine. Aww. You deserve a break. Um, but then he, they kind of wrapped up, and 
he mentioned he has his own little podcast. Mm-hmm. So we love a podcast rabbit hole. We do. You just had one earlier. He has his own podcast called Homophilia with the one and only Matt McGonkey. Homophilia? Uh-huh. Like, okay, that's not homophobia. I guess. No. Okay. Yeah, but so Matt McConkey is also of the bitch sash. Oh, right. It's there it is. I was like, where, no. where's your excitement no. woman? It meant nothing to me for a minute there. Sorry, Daniel's you husband. I do. I do love yes. it when he comes on. Yeah, so um, the two dudes, their show is just talking gay shit with gay people. Like, just talking about gay stuff. But they're not gay. Is Dave Holmes gay? Dave Holmes is gay. I had no idea. What? I know. So you've been living your life since the 90s, believing that Margaret, <laughs> Margaret Cho was a gay, but Dave Holmes <laughs> was straight. straight. Yeah. No, I got it backwards. <laughs> I'm totally it backwards. But to oh be fair, God. Margaret Cho has played in the lady pool. Well, funny story. She's also got an episode on homophilia oh, yeah. where they talk about polyamory and, you know, true fluidity of sexuality and stuff. So I thought, like, yeah, let's give this a shot. I want to go check out that episode. Or... Sorry, not that episode, that podcast. So it's um, produced over on Airwolf. And so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they had Karamo on, who's also from Queer Eye, Margaret Cho. But I really want to talk to you about this one episode that I started to listen to. And I haven't finished it yet, but I think it's going to be really delightful, or as you say, delicious. Delicious. And super gay. And not because, like, gay is like, oh, it's stupid. Like, super gay because these are guys (laughs) really talking about gay stuff. Like, hardcore. Brian Moylan. I love him. So Brian Moylan, love writer him. for Vulture, recaps everything amazingness from Bravo. Funny, funny fucker. And a dirty bastard, too. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, my God. What I mean, the soft into- part he writes for Tom 1 and Tom 2 at the end of, <laughs> of every Vanderpump Rules recap, yeah. I live for it. It's It might be from personal experience. I don't Probably. know. But so he's also right now helping Erica Jane from... Real Housewives of Beverly Hills write her book. And Mm -hmm. so the guys had plenty of questions for him about Erica. And also, I don't know if you've ever told me this fact or if I glossed it over. Her husband is the Aaron Brockovich lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I didn't know that. Like, that's amazing. I don't really watch um, Beverly Hills. Yeah. But I enjoy her. She spells her name with a K, so already I like her better than most people. Mm -hmm. But, um... Her story, just like, you know, she grew up in Atlanta. She went to a performing arts high school and just mm-hmm. really wanted to make it. And just it wasn't working out for her. And ended Got up meeting, up. Yep. Meets her husband, has a ton of money, and is like, fuck it. I'll just produce myself and make myself famous. Yep. And she sure as shit did. Yeah. In the gay community. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and they She's talk about that. Performer. like Yeah. And they talk about how she wants to give the gays what they want, which was making me laugh because the three of them were like, coming all over her like yes. yeah but then like when you watch Real Housewives of New York and Sonia's like the gays love me and I'm like do they or are you yeah, telling them like it's just such a weird juxtaposition yeah from Sonia to Erica and also I will say I read Brian Moylan's recap about that episode and he's uh-huh. like you have to stop with the my gays yeah that's you know, what like, I mean like we she... can subscribe to you and call myself like oh I'm one of her gays uh-huh. or whatever but you can't put a bunch of gay people in a room no. and like trap them and be like these are my gays I yeah. like what the fuck like, what Honest it's, to God, um, straight women need to stop that. I completely agree. Like, it's not appropriate. Like, my friends who are gay, like, oh, that's my friend so-and-so. He happens to be gay. Right. That's not his right starting point. But, yeah, that's why it's, like, it's so funny, the juxtaposition of these two housewives on different coasts. But so um, they talk about all of that, housewives. He kind of goes into, like, how much money everybody on Bravo makes. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's, like, uh, Nene Leakes and a Bethany Frankel are, are pulling in a million dollars a season. Oh, a season. Sure. Okay. All right. For sure. Then an Erica Jane, because she hasn't been on since the beginning. Right. You know, maybe even a Vicky Gumbelson, who has been on for a long time, but, like, isn't producing the greatest stuff. Like, uh, yeah. those kind of people are doing 250 k to half a million a year. And then, like, the, the um, 
the Vanderpump kids are probably also making $250,000 a year, too. I read somewhere or heard somewhere that Jax is the highest paid at twenty five k an episode. Oh, I heard thirty, Maybe. But I heard yeah. it on, I think, Bitch Sesh. I wonder and then, why. So then they were guessing that, like, Stassi and Kristen, because they get so much less airtime, are probably, like, a 15 an episode. Maybe. But I don't have the facts and figures in front of me to confirm Same. or deny. But I feel like Brian definitely had his finger on the pulse that, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, these kids are probably averaging a quarter million dollars a year mm-hmm. by airing their dirty laundry for us. Yeah. But so then they went into, like, the gay stuff, like, hardcore. Yeah. Talking about, so Brian is in a relationship. And he wouldn't say his boyfriend's name because he was like, he asked me not to. <laughs> but, like, 100% Brian was telling, like, all about how, oh, yeah, like, I know these, like, five guys and I've been sleeping with them since I moved to the city. And they were like, still? We're like, oh, yeah, sometimes I could just like, oh, I haven't seen you if I ever want to come over and, like, hang out and then, like, have sex. And, like, your boyfriend's okay with that? And he's like, oh, yeah, sometimes I sleep with me and my boyfriend. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, that is a very open life. And so as he said, he is a self-proclaimed slut. And he was like, <laughs> so he started telling all these sex stories and just, like, the guys were, like, even started the show out, like, listen, this is going to be nasty and dirty and gross. Be prepared. And if you don't want to listen to it, well, it's fine. We'll catch you next week. Maybe <laughs> listen to something in the archives. Um, but it was just intense and so funny. He's hilarious. Like, no wonder his recaps on Vulture are just... Oh. So good. Tickling. I've heard him on Bitch Sesh, too. And oh, he was, and he, oh, so he said, I listened hilarious. to two podcasts, oh. Bitch Sesh and this one, Homophilia. He's like, those are the only really? podcasts I will listen to. Okay. I was like, uh, maybe because like, he can't get inundated with too much entertainment if he's trying to focus on television. Yeah. I mean, he writes about even more than The Housewives, too. Yeah. He, and he recaps quite a few shows. And he said that like when um, 13 Reasons Why came out on Netflix, he's like, I didn't know if this was going to be anything big. He's like, so I binged it and then came up with a couple pieces, pitched them, and then was able to write them. So this is his livelihood, doing this Vulture TV yeah. stuff. And he knows what he knows, and he's smart. And also like some dirty sex. Hey, good on him. <laughs> yeah. Take what you can Exactly. Get. So anyway, I highly suggest all of those podcasts. They're fun. They're entertaining. And yes, I loved it. All right. May I? Amy, you have been waiting. Mother, may I? For 45 minutes. <laughs> I may. You guys, a thing happened this week. Like a giant fucking thing yep. in the true crime world. They fucking caught the Golden State Killer this Yay! week. Yay! And of course, we have to say alleged. He is currently a suspect. He is innocent in the eyes of law until proven guilty. But... Um, this was not an arrest that they were going to fuck up. They have a 100% DNA match. Yeah. Uh, they are not saying how they've gotten the DNA. I've, I've read a little bit more about it, but let me just start off by saying the suspecting company, uh, uh, custody, is a man named Joseph D'Angelo. He was arrested last Tuesday. Six days prior to that is when the police got the tip that led them to zero in, and they just spent those six days figuring out how to trap him. They had to get um, a positive match on his DNA, so they waited for what they called discarded DNA. Uh So he flicked out a cigarette or trash or something. Uh, They got it to match Tuesday morning. I was reading articles, so I know this. By Tuesday at 5, he was arrested, and, like, here we go. Uh So he's actually right now only charged with two murders, um, and then have you more, read this one to us before on the show? No, I've never talked about the oh, Golden okay. State Killer, and in fact, I don't didn't know much about it uh-huh. until the last few days. It's one of those uh, cases that I've known about and kind of knew there was so much to unpack in it. Uh-huh. I've been like kind of waiting for like I have some time or something yeah, <laughs> to like, get sure. into it, and then 
Um, I want to talk about three podcasts that covered it this week because, of course, this is a podcast recap. Yeah, of course, show. it is. Um, but I, I just had to learn about the case in general so I could yeah. understand. I know a few facts about yeah. it. Yeah. So let me kind of just run down what the Golden State Killer is. Yeah. So I do. I do have to mention because we did talk about this briefly on the podcast. Yeah. Right. When we did our Tybee Island episode with my yeah. friend Beth, um, I talked about my favorite murder, and they were in Anaheim, and yes. they did a show at uh, Starlight Books, I think it was called, where they had Pat Oswalt on and and a couple other of the writers that helped finish the book by Michelle McNamara, who's Pat Oswalt's late wife, uh-huh. and she wrote a true crime book about the Golden State Killer. She was obsessed with it. That's right. And no, we did talk about it. Just I have to say, I have to make a correction for myself on that episode. I got the title of the book wrong. Uh-huh. I thought I, I thought it was called "It's The Golden State Killer, It's Not Over. Uh, it's not. That is the title of a four-part investigation discovery television documentary. Which I think was a commercial play that weekend at Time. Yes, yes <laughs> it was. And which I watched uh, three of the four parts this morning. So I could kind of get all this info. Yeah. But the book by Michelle McNamara... Uh, is called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. One woman's obsessive, oh, I forgot the end, this like a like journey to journey like find a killer or something. Um, but if you search I'll Be Gone in the Dark, you'll find oh, it. Oh, yeah. And I did, um, I have audible credits, so I did purchase the book and I listened to about the first two hours of it. Uh-huh. Um, so for listeners that might not know about this case, uh, let me just kind of give real high level what it is. So the Golden State Killer was known originally as the East Area Rapist. And in the 70s, from 73 until about 81, he committed over, well, 50 rapes that we know of, maybe more, in the Sacramento, California area. Crazy. Uh, Yeah, it's horrific. And the way that he would do it, he was insane. Sick. And he, he continued to build. So he would stalk these women and break into their houses at night, tie them up, and rape them. Yep. But he then progressed to breaking into couples' homes and tying up the man and the woman and um, raping the woman and would let the people go after. So he would um, wear gloves and wear a ski mask so that he wouldn't be uh, identified. Yeah. And got away with this for years. And the Sacramento community was under so much terror. Yeah. And um, especially, so a lot of this, I I know this factual stuff from that investigation Uh discovery documentary called The Golden State Killer, It's Not Over. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so this is how they were, they had interviews with people that live in Sacramento at the time and talking about just the fear Mm -hmm. and his MO was always the same. It was break in, tie up, rape, but then he would stay in the house he would leave them tied up and like go to the fridge and eat Ugh. and just run, go through the house. He would steal stuff with probably trophies. Uh huh. Um, he would steal stuff. He would make noise. He would come back and rape again, then go make a sandwich. Ooh. He was just all over the house, just so invasive. And then he would usually leave them tied up. So they would, you know, wait for their partner to come home or, yeah. you know, somehow get themselves untied. He usually did it with shoelaces and stuff. So you could probably, yeah. you know, manage to get out of that once you worked it a while. Um, and then um, he moved to Santa Barbara, so to Southern California. In the 80s and started uh, raping again, but progressed to killing. Yeah. Now, he did kill two people in the Sacramento Sacramento area before he left. And these are the two people that he's actually charged with right now. It's uh, Billy and Kate Mariano, or Mari Maggiore, excuse me. So, 
It's believed that he was about to break into a house. They were out walking their dog and saw him, and that Brian tried to intervene. So he had a gun on him, and he shot them both and got threw it. their doggy in a pool. Hold on. I think the dog got out, but um, there are several cases in which he uh, hurt dogs. Sick. So, and then I'll get back to the dog thing later on. Um, so he was the East Area Rapist, and it was like... In the Sacramento area, it felt like it just stopped. I mean, his reign of terror was one or two a week sometimes. And then he would stop for a few months. And then he would come back and there would be, you know, this thing. And then it stopped, but no one would really know that it's actually over. Uh And then um, a a killer acted up in Santa Barbara and it's still nothing was happening in Sacramento. And they realized that M.O. is the same. Break in in the middle of the night, rape the woman, tie them up. But now he was killing them. Um, and it's also mentioned that, so in the Santa Barbara area, they called him the original Night Stalker before they had connected that it was the East Area Rapist had moved locations. Got it. So they were calling him in Santa Barbara the original Night Stalker, and, um, he had attempted a couple of these home invasions that went wrong. The couples got away. So that's when the murdering started and no one would get away from him anymore. And is that when they were able to kind of get sketches? Because didn't they have sketches of him a little bit? They had three different sketches. And actually in Santa Barbara, or excuse me, up in Sacramento is when they had those sketches. Oh, yeah, of course, because they didn't get murdered. Yeah, he was younger then. Yeah, they didn't get murdered. Some of them had managed to catch a glimpse of his face. One of the sketches actually is a guy with a ski mask on, but you can see his eyes. Uh And then just a couple of times, either he was careless or they managed to get the mask off or whatever and they would catch glimpses of his face but never a photograph yeah. or anything like that and again it's the 70s there's no surveillance cameras mm-hmm. you know I don't have a phone next to me like I can turn on and go click yeah. you know or, or anything like that so it's just um, victims descriptions yeah. that they were doing sketches from and then Michelle McNamara is actually the one that coined the name the Golden State Killer when she has been doing her research. And she coined that, I believe, in 2013. Okay. So um, he also has a fourth name, uh, which they, after the arrest, they confirmed that the Vizalia Ransacker is connected as well. So prior to the raping in uh-huh. Sacramento, there were just a bunch of home burglaries. A, oh. a guy was breaking into houses either in the middle of the night or when the occupants weren't home and just fucking shit up in the house. Got and it. stealing stuff, messing stuff up. They so really leaving. progressed. Right. So there was a case of the Vizalia Ransacker and then the East Area Rapist, the original Night Stalker, and the Golden State Killer are all them. one person. Ugh. So that's... So... That's that's like the story. Yeah. So I listened on Wednesday. Three of my favorite true crime podcasts put out emergency episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So to. he was captured. Joseph D'Angelo, the current suspect, uh, was captured Tuesday night. And by Wednesday, three new episodes were out for yeah. me to enjoy. So, of course, you my listen. girls, my favorite murder, put out an emergency episode. And it's fantastic. Oh, good. Um, then Case File put out a really great episode. He's the Australian guy Uh and different people write in, um, their shows. He put out about a 15 minute or so of him talking and talking about the suspect and what we know. And then he played the press conference. So I got a lot of great information there. And then Martinis and Murder did, uh, I did not know this because I started listening to Martinis and Murder after they started, but Uh their very first episode ever, they covered the East Area Rapist. Oh, okay. And Matt, the bartender, the one that um, does the voice changer for himself, Uh he grew up in Sacramento back then. He he was like, it's so personal to me. I know people who are victims. I couldn't go to summer camp one year because my parents were too afraid because he, the East Area Rapist was on the loose. And John Thrasher... 
called it. He said that when they did that East Area Rapist <gasps> episode, he was like, it really sounds like a policeman to me. Oh. So Joseph D'Angelo, let me talk about him now. And I've gotten all this information from these three podcasts yes. that I just mentioned. They merged them. Merged them. I do need to stop, though, before I talk about Joseph D'Angelo. I have failed to mention something so important. We're in love with a new person. His name is Paul Holes, and he was, like, the special investigator oh. that pretty much <laughs> helped crack this case. Amazing. And before... Is he our new Jeff Ashton? Yes. <laughs> Call so, back to I mean, so Eric and I have this thing where we fall in love, love. with older men who have, like, who do a thing that just, like, makes us quake. So, for a long time, we had giant crushes on Jeff Ashton. He was the prosecutor in the Casey Anthony, Anthony case. Time. He's so just manly <laughs> and in charge and on the right side of justice. Currently, we both, like, just fall to pieces when Jake Tapper comes on oh, television. Yeah. And when he takes Kellyanne Conway to the task, task. I mean, I feel things. Like, in also, um, Mike Rinder. Mike Rinder. Oh, my God. The Scientology stuff. Yes. Like, he's be high yes. up, and then he got out, and now he's, like, taking them down. I'm like, hey. Hey. <laughs> Chris Cuomo is yes. another from CNN. But I... He's a little young for us, but... <laughs> um, but Paul Holes. Yes. Paul Holes was prominently featured on the Investigation Discovery um, documentary, and even the My Favorite Murder Girls were like, but Paul says... <laughs> So, like, paint me a word picture. What does Paul look like? We, oh, Paul, he's, he's tall. <laughs> <laughs> he's got dark brown hair. He's got a, a, a chin. You guys, Amy's turning bright red. He has a chin. <laughs> he's got a good jawline. <laughs> He has a chin. He's got a chin. He has feet. No, listen. And hands. <laughs> he does. He has it all. Total package. And he took down the... Or a Golden State Killer. Uh, so sweet baby angel Paul Holes. Calm down. Calm down. Pull it together. My sexy boy Paul. You're doing a show. Pull it together. Okay. okay. <clears throat> so Joseph D'Angelo is a former police officer and was a police officer in the Sacramento area up until 1970. So from 73 until 79. And he was fired from his police officer role because he got caught shoplifting dog repellent and a hammer. Now, here's the thing. They were talking a lot on My Favorite Murder. So Billy Jensen winds up calling in while they're recording. So they're like, hi, can you be on the show? He's like, would love to. <laughs> so Billy Jensen is another true crime reporter that was instrumental in helping finish. finish Michelle's book? Oh, yes. I'll Got Be it. Gone in the Dark. Because Michelle McNamara passed while she was still writing yeah. the book. She passed about two years ago, I'd say? Yeah. Yeah. About two years ago. Passed in her sleep um, of natural causes, unfortunately. Um, I think but there was a little more they said, but yeah. Oh, I never heard that. Oh, yeah. Um, but Patton had worked with uh, other colleagues of hers to finish the editing process and get the book published. So Billy Jensen is one of those. So he obviously knows a whole lot about the case and the book. And um, it's almost like all of them for Michelle's legacy have yeah. been dying to solve yes. this case. So he calls in and he talks and he just had so much interesting stuff to say and talked about how if this guy was a police officer... First of all, it explains so much, he, why he could prowl around, how many times he probably was confronted while he was prowling, and all he had to do was, like, show his badge, and then any yep. like, pedestrian was just going to leave him yeah, alone, like, sorry, sure. officer, I didn't know. And who, like, loses their job, any job, but especially a police officer job over something like a can of dog repellent and a hammer without trying to go to their union uh -huh. and at least grieve it and at least try to keep their yeah. job? I guess when he was caught with that shoplifting, the 
it was kind of like, you can go now quietly or, you know, we can go through this whole process. And he was like, yeah, no, I just quit. Like, yeah. who gives up their living that easily? He did not want Barbara. them. Well, he didn't want them poking around. No, of course not. And should not have the police department been like, wait a minute, you're going to just walk away this easily. Maybe we yes. need to check you out. Agreed. Well, they were too busy trying to worry about who was murdering and raping in town. Yeah. They didn't care about him, not knowing. And, you know, so him being a police officer, and again, all three of these shows point some really great things out. It, it's so creepy. There's yeah. there's a story that's long been um, involved with this case that when there was this terror in Sacramento, they held like a town hall. Yeah. Here's how to keep yourself safe. Here's what our recommendations. And one man kind of brazenly stood up and said, there is no way that if a woman is protected by her husband at home that another man could come in and, and violate them. Like, I just don't believe it. It, it can't be that way. <gasps> Did he get he got, Just months later, he and his wife in the middle of the night were, were victimized. And I guess it was one of the more brutal cases. So that's led all of these armchair sleuths and even the detectives working the case to believe that the... Golden State Killer must have been in the room yeah. and victimized this guy. And so they've been searching the crowd, the faces in the yes. crowd for years, but they weren't looking at the police officers. No. Now that we know it was Joseph D'Angelo, there's just so many ways that we can connect it yeah. back. And so many, maybe there's more victims out there. Georgia yeah. made a great point on my favorite murder. They have to get him for the um, the kills, and that's what he's probably ultimately going to yeah. go away for because, unfortunately, the statute of limitations yep. on rape is not long enough. No. And a lot of those who will probably will not be prosecuted for, yeah. for the rapes. I mean, they will be counted as his victims. I think I saw but, on social media this week a photo of those town halls and him there, like, here he they is have, in since, the photos. Since the, Wednesday, I'm sure yeah. there probably has been some sleuthing done, um, and they've been able to identify. But it's just... So so much more is coming into yeah. play. So here's another creepy thing about it that they talked on both Martinis and Murder and on uh, My Favorite Murder that a few of the rape victims claimed that while he was raping them, he would either while he was doing it or afterwards lay down next to them and say, fuck you, Bonnie, fuck you, Bonnie, fuck you, Bonnie. Now, some of the survivors actually thought he was saying, fuck you, mommy, or I hate you, mommy. But oh. then others were like, no, I heard Bonnie. Joseph D'Angelo was engaged to a woman named Bonnie, and that engagement ended, and they both wound up marrying someone else. So we don't, you know, for more about that, I'm sure will be coming out, and yes. maybe there will be a motive, which will be even better for the prosecution. He's never going to talk, but yeah. Well, okay, and again, Karen was talking a lot on My Favorite Murder about they have got to make sure this man cannot commit suicide. They have got to watch him. He needs to be prosecuted. For sure. For what he did. And um, the the officers that arrested him, so the, the way they arrested him, by the way, is they had figured out six days prior that it was him based on genetic markers from family members that had uploaded, had gotten like a 23andMe done, uh-huh. and uploaded their DNA to like a shared website, like let me try to find other family members. The police were watching that Stop and it. got these markers, like this person that just uploaded their genealogy is probably about a third cousin of the, it would matches the DNA that we have for the Golden State Killer. So they went to that person. We're starting to find out that that is uh-huh. how they matched. And so it came down to like a couple people it could be in the family. And the other man whose name they're not releasing has never lived in California, but Joseph D'Angelo has and did at that time and lived in those areas at the time of the crimes. So it was like, we know it's him. So then they had to wait to get his actual DNA. Yeah. 
because they've had DNA from the crime, from several crime scenes because DNA wasn't a thing in the yeah. 70s. He wore gloves to protect his fingerprints, but he was leaving deposits, as Billy Jensen said, yeah, everywhere. And I, I do wonder how they knew to collect it, like how they knew that somewhere in the future we'd be able to test this for DNA. Uh-huh. Other than, I guess they were probably collecting, you know, like salmon, because you yeah. can just tell that that's it, or if there was ever blood or anything, yeah. like, I don't know. But anyway, so they were surveilling him for days, and they, like I said, they had discarded DNA, is what they're calling it. So once they got it through a lab to match it, they're like, that's the guy. It's 100% the guy. It's so crazy. Um, so... I mean, no hot tip. If you're going to murder, don't also do 23 and me. Well, right. but he, he did. Make sure none <laughs> of your did family yeah, does. Exactly. Make sure none of your family does. Ask uh, questions at the dinner table. Right. Who's doing this? The, uh, the sheriff also said at that press conference that I listened to on Case File that they surveilled him for as long as they did because they knew that he had a lot of guns. They were registered. He mm-hmm. had them legally, so they knew. And they were so afraid that he would commit suicide or do something upon capture. And I guess that's pretty common in older um, thieves or older criminals who yeah. finally get caught. They're like, ah, well, the I'm old. He said, by the way, Joseph D'Angelo is now 72. Yeah. He was in his 20s and 30s while he was committing these crimes. And um, that they waited for him to exit his house. They didn't want to barge into his house or do and it into his car because they thought that he would have either booby trapped or have a gun right there and end yeah. it. So they wanted to make sure he was out in the open. So they sat and waited outside his house Jesus. until he left, and that's how they grabbed him. Crazy. So, wow. I mean, and there, there's just so much to consume about this case. Uh, there will be more podcasts. Yeah. I read an article today that an HBO miniseries is already in the work based Perfect. on Michelle's book. So I don't know if it'll be a documentary or a um you know, fictionalized version, or whatever. but there will be more books. There yeah, will be more podcasts. For sure. There will be, it's, I, you know, I talk about it with excitement, but the excitement is that there are still victims that have waited 42 yes. years to know who he is and who are going to, who are sleeping well now. Did you hear his brother talk? And his, I think it was his brother. A victim's brother. Oh, a victim's press, brother. I thought it was conference. his brother. And was just like, he's, he's locked up. He yes. can sleep tonight. Yeah. Like, um, and that's what these people probably haven't been able to have. Is a real good night's sleep in 40 years. That brother, um, he's the brother of, his name is Bruce Harrington. Okay. He's the brother of Keith Harrington. Oh, okay. Keith and his wife, Patty, were shot in their That's beds. Right. Um, I believe they are from the Santa Barbara area. And that part of the, the story has already been covered in Michelle's book. Uh-huh. She's jumping around in time uh-huh. a little bit. But in the two hours that I've already listened to covered that, it was really sad. They were Keith and his new wife. You know, yeah. starting their lives, they were living at home with Keith's dad, oh. and dad's the one that found them. It's it's horrific. Oh. And so this brother, Bruce, has been um, working hard for years yeah. uh, uh, to get more, you know, DNA registry, to, to get people's DNA more easily yeah. for more reasons, to have a formalized database, and has met a lot of resistance with the California legislator, and he had some things to say later yeah. on in that press conference, but he did say some really beautiful things to the other victims and the other family survivors that now can can rest easy. Well, if anybody listening wants to go back and kind of start from the beginning and hear more, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. so we Tarantino'd it. She's sure. in jail. They want to go back. They want to start all over again. What's the podcast that they should listen to to get that deep dive? I think that you should listen to episode one of Martinis and Murder. Uh-huh. And I think that you should listen to my favorite murder when they were doing the uh, the sac- or the Anaheim book signing. Got it. Okay, so start with Martini's Murder, learn about mm-hmm. it, fast forward, yep. get that my favorite murder, deep dive the book, all that stuff, right. and then come back and start. 
celebrating his yeah, I would say so. behind bars. And if you want to look outside podcast stuff, um, I'm currently reading or listening to I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I'm really enjoying that. Which is what he would say to people, right? Yes. Yes. As he would, like, that was his tagline. Yeah, yeah he of. would... He did a lot of other creepy things. Like he would call his victims and uh huh. There, like, there's a tape that you. yes, yes. He would call his victims and say, "I'm gonna kill you," and yeah. and whisper. So there's this one part of it was part of the ID documentary, but they um, audio enhanced this uh-huh. tape and basically they figured out he's watching a TV movie while he does this because they could hear other voices in the yeah. back and they didn't know is that a wife? Is that children? What is that? By the way, this man was married and has three has three daughters oh, who are about our age. They were born things. in the early 80s. That's poor things. Horrible. One of the daughters and his granddaughter lived with him when he was captured. Oh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, they, they proved that he was watching, like, a TV movie at home while he's calling and terrorizing his Crazy. victims. The other thing is, of course, he had access to a police scanner yep. the entire time we now know because he was a policeman for the entire career in which he was raping in Sacramento. So he knew where police were looking. He, uh-huh. knew, he knew everything about the investigation yeah. into the, who the East Area Rapist was. And uh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, again, the the I recommend the podcast. And the best part is that he's... The best and everyone is. can breathe a little bit better. And it's, it's so interesting because this ID Discovery documentary just came out a few weeks ago. I and really Michelle's think Michelle's book, book really has spun up so much. Oh, yeah. Well, the Sacramento Police Department is saying, no, no, this is all detective work. But sure. Billy Jensen talks a lot on My Favorite Murder about that and about how, but it, it was really Michelle that kept this alive. She renamed him the Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. something so catchy and flashy. And... Um, you know, so Paul Holes, my my darling Paul Holes, um, he was assigned to this later on, just a few years ago, as a cold case. He hasn't been searching it since yeah. the beginning. There are some other detectives that that have you know since retired. Paul yeah. is actually Paul actually retired in March, um, oh, okay. but is now like back. Like oh okay, it's like you know I'm like, I can do it. Yeah, go yeah. back and, and finish this up, and he's caught now. Um, uh, where was I going? <laughs> Don't know. Don't know either. Oh, about Michelle and... Oh, yeah, about, keeping, keeping the case alive through yes. Michelle's persistence. I, I wish yeah, they no, would give not taking away it. anything from the police, but she definitely kept it out in the ether. For My sure. favorite murder, Martinez murders. Everybody talking about these things mm-hmm. puts the light back on cold cases that need to be solved. I just want to say one more thing about my favorite murder. Billy Jensen was talking about how much the at-home detectives... Armchair detectives? Yeah, armchair detectives have been so fervent about this particular case. Uh Um, And so many people have believed for a long time that he was still alive. Yeah. That we just had to find him. Yeah. And Billy started talking about his... He still is a true crime reporter, but his um, kind of next his next mission is he really believes that armchair detectives should be getting more. It, it should Credit. well that it should there should be a way in which regular citizens can actually be part of these investigations mm-hmm. because he said there are so many murders that are stacked up and not enough detectives to actually you know investigate all of that. He was like, and look, the baby boomers are retiring. We're going to have the largest population of retired adults in history and these people are willing to help and they've got the time and he was like yes sure we're gonna have to screen them there's Uh gonna have to be a hierarchy once they find something it needs to go to the police and the police you know actually prosecute or or whatever but let's use these people they want to do it and they're good at it so that wouldn't that be fascinating so fun like when i yeah when i retire like now i catch criminals from my couch perfect yeah with a wine 
With a wine. Yes. Right. Okay, so I know I'm going long. Um, super exciting. You know, I love true crime. Very happy for you. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that, and I hope you uh, found some things to go consume on your own. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 27. We will be back next week with another round of podcasts, and until then... Go find a Golden State Killer. That's right. No, he's found. He's (laughs) He's found. found. Go find another killer. (laughs) That's what you could do. And you can also be kind and and rewind. rewind. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.